Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Wizards, Warriors, and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. If you'd like to unlock bonus content and also help the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash wizards warriors words to learn more. You can also find this link in the show notes. And a huge thank you to all our current patrons. You're awesome. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. My name is Jed Hearn, author of Across the Broken Stars, and I'm joined by my co-host, starting with Rob. Hi, I'm Rob Hayes. I'm the author of books such as, uh, I don't know, we'll go with this one, Don's Gambit which I'm about halfway through right now. And Dirk. I am Dirk Ashton, author of the Paternus Trilogy. And Mike. Uh... <laughs> Mike is energetic he, he's, as usual. He's Mike, and he is author of... Uh, Blackstone, uh, Heart, uh, uh, Blackstone Heart, Smoke and Blackstone Stone. Heart, and Smoke and Stone, and Beyond Redemption, and The Mirror's Truth, and The Millennials and, Manifesto, and Paternus, and Never Die. <laughs> and, Never Die uh, was probably one of my better books. Nice. And uh, today's episode is going to be a listener Q&A session, so we're going to answer some of your questions. Um, if you have any other questions you want us to answer that we don't cover in this show, you can send us an email, wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com, and I'll read those and put them into our listener question spreadsheet. But super quickly, before we get into answering those listener questions, we have some exciting news, and it comes back to the idea of awards. Uh, Rob, do you want to do you want to talk about them? Um, no. Okay. I'm just, I'm just going to hold a prop up. You do the talking. Okay, so Rob is holding up the sword, and the reason for that is that not only Rob, not only Dirk, but also Mike as well, are all shortlisted for the Book Nest Best Self-Published Fantasy Book Award for books that came out in the last year. So if you haven't already voted in that, um, head on over to Book Nest and you can vote in that competition. The winner gets this incredibly cool sword. Rob has a sword. Dirk has a sword. 
Mike mm. does not have a sword for Bookness, mm. but he has yeah. a little knife for a Reddit Stabby Award. So he's uh, <laughs> got some got some. That's not on. a knife. This is <laughs> oh, a knife. <laughs> what an accent. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you are listening to the podcast, because I know that most of you listen to the podcast rather than watch it, if you go onto the YouTube version of this, you will have just watched for the last minute Rob and Dirk flexing their swords. So if you want to see what they look like with weapons. Flexing your swords. <laughs> now, we, now, now we have those because Rob and I have both won in the past. Correct, yes. Uh, what books I did won you guys for Wrath of Gods in 2018 and Rob won for some other I won it for Never Die last Never, year. Never Die in, in, uh, in 1919. A little bit more recent than that. But uh, anyway, so what books do you do you have up for this year? All of you. Uh, I oh, got uh, a Blackstone Heart yeah. uh, is mine up there. Mine's uh, Along the Razor's Edge. Mine's uh, Paternus War of Gods, third book in the Paternus Trilogy. Sexy. So The interesting thing is Dirk's <laughs> actually been nominated for every one of his books as well because he was nominated uh, last year for uh, book two, Wrath of Gods. Oh, nice. So let me get this right. There's only like, I'm just getting up the list now, but aren't you guys like the majority of the finalists then? Because <laughs> no, there's 10. There are okay. 10. Yeah, yeah but we, we write all of their books, so it's fine. Well, <laughs> that much there is- ten, uh, 10, on, 10 on the short list. Yeah. Is, is obvious, <clears throat> but uh, where is the, I'm trying to get up. Yeah, so there's 10 on the short list, but do you only have, because Rob, don't you have a couple on the short list? No, no. Uh, I had three Welcome books on, on the long list, mm. um, but uh, all three books of the War Eternal were nominated for the long list, but um, I only have the one book, the first book in that trilogy, on the Razor's, on the Razor's Edge. Edge, as the shortlist one. Cool. So either way, we've still got 30% of uh, the best self-published authors in the world on this podcast, I guess. That's a kind of cool achievement. Dead. Up your game, man. Why, yeah, why don't we have 40%? Yeah. Like, stop fucking around. Really need to, need, need to improve my game to get that, get that percentage yeah. up a bit higher. And then we'll get the other uh, six. Really you need good to start working out, well. dude. <laughs> working out or working harder on my writing? I don't quite and understand. That's not the same thing? Yeah. Uh, I guess that's the only way to get strong finger muscles. So I'll, I'll go for it. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, if you haven't already voted It's not that, the only way. <laughs> thanks, Dirk, for making the episode R-rated immediately. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, so if you haven't already voted on those, check it out. You can always check out the other books as well. It's pretty cool. Um, I don't know if I can say this, but like the long list got around like 30,000 views, apparently. Wow. So nice. yeah, that's... That's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, time to get into the listener Q&A for this. So kicking it off with a question from Nick Carlson. Has anyone got really excited about an idea only to find out from someone that has been done? You just haven't read the book. Do you then give up the idea or just try as hard to tweak it into something original because you can't let it go? It's a good question. Go um, ahead, Mike. Mike, uh, just steal, Mike just steals all, the, all our, I mean, we write all Mike's books anyway. So. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I, I, I actually, uh, I love to take a, take somebody else's idea and then just fuck it up so much that it's, uh, unrecognizable. Uh, the thing is I don't really do it on purpose is, uh, I'm mostly like, I'm just trying to write snow crash over and over again and I just keep getting it wrong. <laughs> nice. Still haven't read snow crash, but I've heard it's like, incredible. what is wrong with you? Go read. Okay. Just stop the podcast. Go read snow crash. <laughs> All right. See everybody. I haven't either. 
Oh, Jesus. I, I have, Mike. I have. Yeah, see? I have a copy of it out on my bookshelves. What's so good about Snow Crash? It's, it's like, um, uh, it's one of the original cyberpunks with Gibson, with William Gibson. I mean, he, Stevenson was, was right up there with, with Gibson in, uh, hmm. in forming early cyberpunk. I've I read Mirror Man, Mirror Man so. That helps. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> nice work, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> some sympathy points. For someone who really likes uh, cyberpunk, I probably should have uh, read a bit more of it, but I tend to like my sci-fi more in visual format than reading format, which is a visual sort of thing anyway. That makes no sense. I prefer to watch sci-fi on the television uh, and read fantasy. I'm not a big fan of um, reading sci-fi, he says, while reading The Expanse. Um, or <laughs> watching fantasy, he says, while also owning all of the Lord of the Rings films. <laughs> also, Rob, cheeky plug for Drones by Rob J. Hayes here, which I believe is a cyberpunky novel. Is that correct? That book doesn't exist. And Ghosts Ghosts of uh, Tomorrow. Nobody's Ghost read it. Well, people will after this episode. Ghost, hey, do the reverse of... psychology thing, Rob, where you say, oh, it's my worst book. No one should check it out. Please don't read it. Because that will guarantee that everyone listening will run out and read it. Well, right. I mean, if you if you go by the number of uh, reviews it's got, it's definitely my worst book. Uh, so, you know. There you go. You heard him. Don't go immediately buy drones right now. Please don't yeah. do it. And Mike, Mike's yeah, got Ghosts of Tomorrow, which is terrific. <laughs> Uh, that's the one with the dude nice. with like the multiple arms right yeah well, we all have multiple yeah. arms more than two arms <laughs> uh this is the kind of quality you can expect from <laughs> anyway back to the question um so yeah like for the rest of you like what have you have you had this experience where you come across this really cool idea but then you realize that it's already been done before and then what do you do in that situation rob do you have you yeah i mean I, 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 it's happened a few times i mean it, it always does like there's no new no there no new ideas in the sun and all that lot. I mean, when I was writing my debut trilogy, I wrote book two, Color of Vengeance, and I had this this uh, character who um, gained power through he, he was covered in tattoos, which gave him all sorts of abilities. And when he got worked up, they started glowing and and you know all of that lot. And then after I wrote that book, I then read uh, Peter V. Brett's The Painted Man or The Warded Man, depending on which country you come from um with a character who covers himself in tattoos that start glowing when he starts uh, so i just it was too similar basically in the end um so i had to rein that in a bit uh i, I still had the the idea of the character with the tattoos that provided him power but i had to change a few things because it was just it felt too eerily similar um to my mind yeah um, <laughs> So yeah, it, it can happen, and it, you just have to make a choice. Do you think it's too similar that people notice it, and or can you tweak it, or you know that sort of thing? But I, unless it's exactly the same, I, I think you can probably get away with it. I mean, as, as long as you're not blatantly copying somebody, you know, like essentially plagiarizing their work. If you put your own spin on it, then yeah. You know? I mean, and nothing's everything's been done nothing's Absolutely. new um it's just you know writing what you want to write and or hopefully at the same time giving people what they want that's that's same but different you know um so you know fantasy with dragons is fantasy with dragons yet there are hundreds of books that are fantastic and 
plenty different enough. Um, and, you know, there are certain tropes, tropes that have been introduced along the way that just get accepted, even though they're very obviously taken from early, you know, books about dragons or dragon riders, you know. I was actually talking to Jed about that. Uh, I think it was yeah. yesterday where it's like, you know, look at the chosen one um, sort of trope and you, you can yeah. go all the way back to like King Arthur. He was basically yeah. a chosen one. Yeah, um, exactly. The Bible. Yeah. He's been around yeah. for years. Mm. Yeah. You can go way back beyond, uh, beyond King Arthur for that. Oh yeah. Um, children of gods that don't know they are half gods um, who have a prophecy and a quest i mean that shit is ancient and that's and why it's so all, interesting to and read all and over the world yeah enduring. i mm. mean i had some scares when i was writing the first paternus book i had some scares um uh i was aware of neil gaiman or gaiman rob gaiman. you're british how do you say it gaiman or gaiman, gaiman? I definitely think, gaiman yeah. I, I don't know yeah. I've heard people pronounce it Gaiman, um, but I also heard people pronounce the band Violent Farm in the 80s because, you know, they thought they were smart. And then I went to a Violent Femmes concert and they called themselves the Violent Femmes. Um, so that dates me, doesn't it? Uh, huh? It does. Mm -hmm. The 80s is ancient history yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't even alive. No. Great concert, by the way. Um, there you go. Camper Van, Camper Van Beethoven was my favorite, but that was a good one. Saw a lot of concerts back in those days. So, Jack, um, what did you it, do when you realized that? So oh, sorry, you were doing I, matches. Yeah. Well, I, I had read it, and I gave it to someone. Uh, I, read a, an er, I, wrote, I had written an early draft and gave it to somebody to read, and they're like, oh, you have to read um, American, American Gods. Gods. Yeah. And I had read Sandman and, you know, some other stuff that he was doing. Um, so I was aware with who he was and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I, uh, I, I read it and it was, it was um, not the same story. The, the POVs were very different. Uh, the actions were very different. It does have... It brings in God that how the gods originated was very different. So I ended up not changing anything at all based on that, except for um, uh, there were some things in there that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do that because I just don't want to anyway. But there are things that I've changed. Like uh, I picked up uh, Terry Pratchett was writing uh, one of his latest was a series he was writing with another author. I can't think Long of Earth it. With Stephen Baxter? Yes, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I had multiple worlds uh, and had people who would, I was saying, would step from world to world. Well, i uh, to change he, that. <laughs> and I was going to have certain cryptid types be able to do that, which was why they were so mysterious, like Bigfoot. And exactly nice. what he was doing, they were doing. So I don't mention Bigfoot. Uh, <laughs> and I actually changed the term to slipping, uh, which works out better because uh, one, of my, one of the characters that comes in in book two, but is talked about in book one, is Sleepnir, um, Odin's steed and son of Loki uh, from, from uh, uh, 
from Norse mythology. And uh, Sleipnir actually means slipper. So, and he had already, I had already decided he was one of the ones who could do this, who could go from world to world, because not all of them can. So it's now slipping. And of course, it's slippery and you almost fall down when you do it, if you're not used to it. So it worked out, it worked out okay. So there, there have been some things and I have changed some names uh, along the way. I found out that a character, a main character in another fantasy book that if it was a big enough fantasy book was the same, uh, had the same name. So I would just change it. Um, that's the case for Edgar. Edgar was not his original name in the earliest drafts. Now I can't imagine. I honestly, right now, I can't even remember what it was. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I wouldn't worry about it too much unless it's so similar. It's like Rob's, except for even that, Rob, if your story was different enough. I mean, I've read probably oh. half a dozen books with magic tattoos. Oh, I, I know. I mean, to be honest, at the time, I hadn't actually read too, uh, too much fantasy, at least not by sort of such a wide ranging authors. And uh, it's just sort of after literally just after writing this, I then came across, you know, the, the, the warded man, painted man. And I was just like, oh, man, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's too it's too similar. So I decided to change it. Yeah. But I mean, I've, I've had other times like with Along the Razor's Edge. Uh, uh, it's a slight spoiler, but the main character becomes possessed by a, uh, a sort of demon at one point, which sort of talks in her head and everything. And then just after sort of like writing uh, that and starting on book two, I read uh, Mark Lawrence's um, second book in the Ancestor series, his Grey Sister, mm -hmm. uh, where the main character uh, becomes possessed by a demon uh, that talks in her head. And I was just like, oh, man, really? Um, I sent, I actually uh, sent that through to um, a couple of my alpha readers and said like, is, is this too similar what's going on here and they basically came back went that it's absolutely fine and also mark isn't the first person to do demon possession talking <laughs> in a person's head either no so, yeah this stuff or, happens or, a lot or like, some even... or some kind of entity talking in someone's head whether yeah. it's an alien that's yeah. implanted itself in the back of their skull or some other creature or their alien or spirit that's that's you know it goes that's been done so many times that that people don't now one one thing that might ease people's minds who have a question like that is uh think about since obviously if they're watching this they're part of the community on online and on social media and stuff think about how often do you really see this book is exactly like this i can't believe they ripped this off it just you just don't see it you just because uh, you just don't and for one thing we read these books and go, oh, shit, we need to read this or, oh, we need to change this. But we can't read all the books. Absolutely. You, know? you can't. You can't read all the books and no one can do something absolutely completely different except for Fletcher, who comes because he's one insane. of the kind. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, think... You say that, but I, I, I've seen reviewers like reading Blackstone Heart and just saying he's copied Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what version of Pokemon they're well, playing. Well, I did when I was writing it. I did copy Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we got to probably get to some other questions as well. But yeah, just to to wrap this one up. Yeah, I would say to summarize, 
don't worry about it too much. Everything that you think is original has already been done before anyway. Um, two, it definitely does happen though. Rob and I were literally talking the other day about like, oh, I'm going to open a book with a prologue that's set in the future. And then the main character will explain how they got back to that point. And then he was like, oh, I'm doing that as well with very similar circumstances to what you're saying. So this stuff happens much like how I think penicillin yeah. was independent. And, that, and that's a trope that's been done with television. Like yeah. So yeah, that's been done. That's been done in TV and films for. Yeah, exactly. For, uh, oh, the Tarantino. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But um, yeah. basically everything that you think is original has already been done before. So I would say that the, the main thing is, yeah, to not worry about it. Just write the best story that you can given that. Um, and also just to like one way to kind of cure this is just to like make sure you're constantly filling your creative world with tons of ideas so that rather than just copying from like three books, you know, you're copying from all the books and then yeah the more but the more books you steal from the better off you'll be exactly it's the exact opposite to real life crimes where if you steal like from 10 houses you'll probably Mm -hmm. get caught easier but with book crimes if you steal from 10 books it'll be a lot hard to catch you i mean at uh, the end of the day let's be fair the most probably the most popular fantasy book in the world is the bible and uh it stole (laughs) a fair few things from the uh the epic of gilgamesh (laughs) <laughs> pretty much i think gilgamesh is a great story as well check that out that's sick um next question La- from last i heard it wasn't part of the bible but <laughs> it's a good epic it's like five thousand years old or something but um similar story it's got the flood story though well that's just it yeah. the, the flood story in the bible was like directly yeah. stolen from the epic of gilgamesh but that's the whole exactly. thing about christianity exactly but that's an entirely different that topic different anyway topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um Okay, question from Paul D. Nolan, uh, who's from Italy, I believe. Uh, I don't oh, introduce the awesome. main character in the first chapter. Is this okay, or should you really get them in there? Or how long can you get away with not introducing them? I've heard arguments from both camps. It's just a bigger hook when I open from one villain's point of view, and the main character walks in the middle of something he really shouldn't. Uh, and for context, he says, I have three point of view characters throughout. So... Mike, do you want to maybe start this one off since you didn't talk about uh, so Sure. So I'm, I'm kind of in the uh, introduce your main character as soon as possible camp. Um, I think part of it is uh, it's just more of a me problem. I've got a short memory. Uh, so if you if you start the book with one thing and then, you know, it, it, that disappears for a while, by the time it comes up again, I don't remember anymore and I no longer care. Uh, and I'm grumpy and old. <laughs> not all but i agree with you i'm the same like yeah I, like for instance the game of uh yeah a song of ice and fire's first book game of thrones the opening of that is with characters that you don't really get to see the relevance of them until way later and mm. by that point it's like 200 words later. in and it's not even book one. the relevance it's of them is one. like in like book three onwards i think i swore that i oh maybe, yeah either way like it's a long it's time and, yeah by the time i got to it it's like uh you know, who are these people again? I've attached myself it's, to it's, other characters. It's a hook. I mean, some books just start with some sort of bizarre hook to keep you going, um, whether the main character's in it or not. Well, what it does is it essentially sets up um, the, the the plot of the series. It, it, it sets up this ancient evil. Mm. Uh, sorry, it sets up the fake plot of the series if you go by what the TV series is all about. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but it sets up this 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 ancient returning evil, which immediately just shouts up like epic fantasy and all of that lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the uh, the only thing I'd say, I mean, obviously it's done incredibly well, but it's an incredibly long prologue. I don't know if you, you've read it recently, but it's a yeah, really it's, long prologue. It's pretty long, yeah. It's a chapter, full on, full yeah. on chapter. Um, which then characters that you basically never see again. I think one of them you see a little bit later and gets his head chopped off. Um, but yeah, the, the whole idea behind that is it's just, it's introducing this ancient returning menacing threat um, that's going to be in the background for the entire series. Yeah, my, I, I mean, in, in Paternus, in the first book, Rise of Gods, I, the first chapter is not one of the main characters. It, well, I mean, it's not one of the main, main characters. There are a lot of characters in my books, but then I bounce uh, from chapter to chapter, different parts of the world with different characters for, I think, five chapters before I return to, uh, to one of them, who, who is one of the main, main characters. And um, so it, I, I enjoy that kind of thing. And I see it, you see it in films and in television and, and you just don't know. But I do know that that's uh, part of the reason that a lot that 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 some of the people that DNF do bounce because they don't they don't want that they want to be introduced and read they want their their reading uh, you know they want you know some sometimes people want their reading to be easy they want their reading to be easy to read and to have to think and remember and and be confused uh, is something that, that a lot of readers don't enjoy and nothing against them for that. But um, um, I like to be challenged in my reading and I, so I, I kind of, that's why I did it. So, I mean, yeah. if you want something, I mean, if you really just want to write something good, popular, classic, different, but not too different, introduce your character right off the bat, your main character and stick with them uh, for most of the time. You can go and have, chapters with other characters but 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 they need to be the the main basis of the of the story and yeah, take up the most pages i, I think you're, you're fine with yeah starting with an uh a, you know a different character especially if you're setting up something or introducing like the villain um you know look, look at like something like star wars where exactly. the first star wars you are basically introduced to darth vader that's that's pretty much kind of the the point of of the opening scene um with a little bit of like oh and here's the you know the, the sort of plot of Leia and the, the the message um but yeah so I, I think if you're going to be using that first chapter to either introduce a bad guy or set up the threat or whatever I think that's fine but you, you what you do want to do is you want to introduce the, the main character especially if you have one main character still pretty early on so I wouldn't then like, you know, flit about for another five chapters until you actually introduce who's going to be the hero of the story. Yeah, I think the takeaway like that, from like, this is... Um, like I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dirk's works though, because I think the takeaway from this is like, first of all, you can do any approach you want as long as it's going to be interesting and as long as it's going to hook readers through, you know, your first couple of chapters so that they can understand enough of what the book is about um, and then they can make that, that judgment there. So yeah, I think... It's either it's, it's perfectly good to do it either way. Just make sure it's a compelling beginning, which is kind of dumb advice because I'm basically saying just do it as long as it's good. But uh, yeah, you can do anything sort of as long as you do it really, really, really well. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, it's like, like it's, it's, we were talking it's like Tarantino any conversation earlier. about about tropes, right? Any you know, tropes are great as long as they're yeah. done well. 
Yeah. Uh, well, they, they really then need a good real bad. As long as it's done well. You know, it's just, you know, nothing is bad just because it's bad. The best advice no we can give as, as, as these authors and pillars of the community that we are <laughs> is uh, be consistent and don't suck. Yes. Pretty much. Next question. Um, also, I just realized I totally looked at his uh, flag on his Twitter account wrong. It's from Ireland, not Italy. Sorry. That's a big blunder on my behalf. In Ireland? Ireland. I mean, it sort of sounds similar. I'll, 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 I'll pass with that. Um, I mean, having been to Italy and Ireland, they're not, they're not similar. Yeah, no, they're not similar at all. <laughs> anyway, send your hate mail to uh, Fletcher MR on Twitter. Thanks very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to get to a few more questions in a sec. But first, Dirk, do you want to just talk quickly about a certain Kickstarter? That oh, yeah. Is, is happening um, right now, I should say. Uh, I've been doing Kickstarters for uh, special limited edition signed and numbered hardbacks for the Paterna series. Um, first one was uh, a couple of years ago. Last one, second one for book two was last September. And the third one is running right now. And it funded in, yeah, there's, there's the first Rob's one. Number 95. They look like. The third one is uh, for, for Wrath of God or War of God, sorry. This is the third and final Kickstarter in the series. And um, it funded in three and a half hours. I was, I was blown away. Um, it's uh, uh, gone. It's at uh, like 191% funded now, I believe. Beast. Um, and we've already, we've already screamed through um, a map. Oh, yeah, the interior illustration. They all have an interior illustration by a different artist. Um, this one is going to have a map uh, in color. Uh, that's two Kickstarters took care of that. Who's that guy? Um, and or uh, two stretch goals that took care of took care of that. And um, we're we've got some new art cards that will be sent with to everyone. And uh, there's posters and paperbacks um, signed and doodle stamped paperback uh trilogies and paperbacks available as well and posters and, and to clarify a doodle stamp is a little drawing of like a person just in case you were confused by what that could initially it's, yeah, mean it's a like little draw, it's a little drawing that i did of a character but i i'm not consistent and i'm really slow and i'm really bad so i made him in stamps <laughs> so i just signed I just realized this is a signed bookmark stamp those. oh sick you signed the bookmark that looks That's like so a thick sweet. bookmark yep, they're they're all they're all initialed yeah they're pretty good. Oh, no. They're pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, that Kickstarter should be going great. And it's, it, it, it's, it's going for, it's got another two weeks. It when does it through, finish? Uh, 15 days. It, it finishes on the 29th. Finishes late, on late the 29th. Night, like around midnight on the 29th. Yeah. So Monday this episode comes out on Tuesday, uh, on Monday, the 22nd. So when you're listening to this, if you're listening to it, when okay. it comes out, you should have a week to check that Kickstarter out if you want to. I know also Kickstarters stay up forever after they're done. So if you want to run a Kickstarter in the future, you can check it out, see some tips from Dirk. Um, we may like have a, a ch more in-depth chat about Kickstarter in the future at some stage, but uh, yeah, it can be quite an interesting exercise to sort of look at these previous book Kickstarters, you know, see how they were run, like see how they funded and everything and, you know, maybe get some advice. Ooh, from that as well. We should get Michael J. Sullivan on. Very keen. Yeah. Yeah. And, Ro and his wife, Robin. Yeah. Yeah. No, they definitely keen to both of them. Yeah. Six-person podcast will be hectic, but 
they seem like organized folks so <laughs> i'm sure we'll be able to make it work <laughs> um Piece of cake. all right so probably last question for this episode uh from robert junker what indie authors do you think are doing really good work right now in both the writing and the brand management i think those are two interesting things to hmm. to tackle um, Dirk Ashton's doing pretty well. Okay, <laughs> blanket rule: we should not talk that about other people on this podcast. <laughs> Don't listen to that guy. Because yeah, I think um, I agree. I think everyone on here is doing good work. Yeah, uh, Craig Schaefer, I would I would point to um, spot on with his uh, covers uh, and his uh, and consistency with the kind of the kinds of things that he's that he's been writing lately. Um, is doing really really well dk holmberg uh just cranks those books out um all dragon stories and assassin um, stuff as well i really yeah, want to get him on decent decent length stuff um the writing uh yeah it's but 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 as far as branding and and savvy business really really well doing really well um uh, I think he I has over a hundred books out. Last I checked, I think it was yeah, like hundred and ten books. Crazy! Yeah. He's got a huge, huge fan base. Does, does he write? Is is it just? Is it actually him writing, or does he have ghostwriters? Do you know? No, do, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm pretty I sure that DK him. writes all his stuff. He just wow. cranks his stuff out. Yeah, very impressive. Um, <laughs> um, Will White. Yeah, Will White. As far as both writing and branding. Um, doing really well. Andrew Rowe, definitely. I've heard of him before. What is Andrew uh, Rowe did Sufficiently yeah. Advanced Magic, which was oh, uh, in Spiffbo the same year as uh, Well Ortiz Lie. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he, he does a lot of uh, progression fantasy, along with Will White, I think, aren't they? Yeah. They're very progression fantasy. Yeah. Just, can you quickly define that for listeners who don't know what progression fantasy is? Uh, as far as I'm aware, it's sort of fantasy where you have a main character who tends to start off very weak and constantly sort of level up power levels as they go throughout the story. It's it's sort of like being it's sort of like a an RPG computer game where they they constantly level up and attain new levels of power, new gear or whatever, and fight new levels of evil. Yeah, it's um, kind of a sub a sub sub genre of game lit. You've got like lit RPG. You've got what i can't remember the name of it where it's the dungeons dungeon uh, core dungeon core uh dungeon core speaking of second book of of the uh of demi harper's laura hughes series uh just came out i just got this that's dungeon core that's also part of the game lit um lit rpg uses a lot of heavy duty stats just like an rg i mean you literally ha can have pages of tables of stats as you go through progression is like um less of that kind of stats uh there might be some some lists and things but it, it's not nearly as stats heavy it's not trying to be a, a computer game it's trying to be um, a story but set in a world with very computer game like rules very rpg yeah. type rules yeah um, the, and blackstone heart yeah actually <laughs> if you think it's about it just blackstone like, heart, every time campaign. he eats a, a, a obsidian heart he gets a bit stronger and it was based on your role-playing game from when you were younger right yep yeah back in the uh the 90s oh geez yeah. back in the early days 
Uh, Fletch, what about you? What indie authors um, do you think are, are doing good work at the moment, if you have any? Uh, yeah, I can't speak to brand because I don't pay attention to that. Um, it seems, that seems, whatever, we'll let that go. Uh, I, I, I probably, uh, I got to mention Crystal Matar again, Legacy of the Brightwash. Um, that book is a, it's a beast. And for a debut novel, it's insane. Uh, and I'm going to call it now. Uh, don't bother entering next year's uh, SPFBO <laughs> because she's going to drop that in there and uh, you're just not going to win because she's got it wrapped. So suck it, which is bad because I had a book I wanted to put in next year, but now there's just no point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair cool. Um, I still got to get around to reading it. It looks Me exactly too. like what I like. This, that sort of gas yeah. lamp, you know, industrial modern fantasy. Um, yeah, I would say... Uh, I haven't actually read any of this author's books, so I, I can't comment necessarily on the quality, but I was doing some like analysis the other day because like occasionally I would use, there's this tool on Kindlepreneur's website called like an Amazon book sales per day calculator or something. If you just Google it, it'll pop right up. And basically what it can do is you pop in the Amazon best-selling ranking of a certain book and it will give you an estimate of how many books that's selling per day. I don't know how accurate it is necessarily, um, but if it is accurate, then uh, this series I was looking at, The Echo Saga by Philip C. Quantrail, um, which is like an eight-book sort of classic epic fantasy series, it was selling like about $230,000 worth of royalties per year. And this is a series that, uh, yeah, like this is more or less his first fantasy series. Um, it has amazing covers. Like you, if you look up, rise of the ranger for instance that's got the cover of it it looks great oh, like, just those, this, yeah. yeah just like this very classic fantasy cover art by chris mcgrath um who did like some of the Mistborn covers uh some of the dresden files covers and yeah it just looks amazing um and i bring it up because it seems to me like a really good example of a book that's <coughs> sort of like really well suited to the market and it seems that it genuinely just has had word of mouth success through its readers and through the cover and everything. Because apparently, like in his blurb, he talks about how in his author bio, he talks about how his previous series, uh, sci-fi series, four books sold like, you know, maybe 50 books in over a couple of months or whatever. Didn't have massive success. Brought this thing out, had really nice covers, had great, you know, fantasy evocative titles like Rise of the Ranger uh, what are some other ones like Empire of Dirt, Relic of the Gods, and it had these incredible classic covers. And yeah, it's like 300,000 copies sold worldwide, according to the blurb, and just massive success through being, you know, well suited to the algorithm. Um, the first book came out 2017. So, you know, it's stayed around for a long time. Um, so yeah, I think that can be an interesting exercise if you are interested in sort of looking at some of the marketing and packaging sides of things, you know, find books that seem to be doing well on Amazon, plug their bestseller rankings into that Kindlepreneur calculator. Um, who knows how accurate it is, but it will give you an idea of, of sort of what's selling. Uh, and you shouldn't necessarily base your writing on that, but it can be an interesting exercise just to kind of go through and yeah, see what's out there that's responding, that's having a good response from the market. All sorry. right. Oh yeah, sorry, Doug. No, no. I, I, I was just thinking too. Michael J. Sullivan, even though he started yeah. in traditional publishing, yeah. has turned his turned that into just 
one of the most successful series ever. Um, and what he does is he, he uses the same, uh, the same artist for the covers for all the books. They're all terrific. Um, the books are amazing. And uh, he wrote his first series. Then he decided to, th and he's staying in the same world. Um, so then he wrote his second series, which was a, which is a prequel series. And everybody said, don't do that. It sold more than the first series. And now he's doing uh, a, a brand new series. Um, and it's in the same world with some of the same characters, but takes place in the future. And I read that, that it's amazing. So as far as like branding, staying on brand, brilliant writing, um, storytelling, um, he's really good. David Estes with his face, Fate Marked series has rebranded uh, his covers a couple times and, um, and it just keeps selling and selling and selling. And I finally read uh, the first book and I was amazed. It's, it's fucking great. It's, you know, so I can't even go, ah, damn it. You know, <laughs> I mean, I can't even go, see, you know, it's just people are reading crap. No, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So to give you an example, I'll just do like this, this really quickly, but yeah, the first book in the Fate Mark series, which is called just Fate Mark on Amazon.com, it has a bestsellers rank of 2059. So if you go over to that Kindlepreneur bestseller calculator and you plug it in, um 2059 it says that it that particular book is selling an estimated 89 books per day so i don't know how accurate that is necessarily and that's and um, that's his his ranks go higher than that okay yeah. now here's the thing mm. that book is five six years old yeah it's and it's still selling better than than most books do their first week out or second or third or fourth. It's Definitely selling better than my books. And, crazy. Know. And that doesn't take into account the page reads. Yeah, exactly. Pouring in from KU every yeah. day. So yeah, that's, um, yeah, I think that definitely shows that if you if you get something that, that hits, it can stick around for a long time because yeah, it came out long in time. 2017. Yeah. The, the, de the depth of the ocean of readers on Amazon is almost limitless. Yeah. Although uh, people talk side, about, well, is... I've reached, I've reached the limit of my market. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know that there is a limit to any market. Like I've heard uh, David Estes say before, like it didn't sell that well for the first year, but then right, like, right. after the first year, it just sort of started taking off, which is kind of off topic, but I just find that incredibly interesting to be honest. Yeah. And also it's, it's encouraging, right? Yeah. Anyway. Um, that was a episode where we spent probably 70% of the time not talking about the listener questions, but they were good jumping off points for us. So uh, we didn't get to answer all the questions I had written down, but that's okay. We will have future listener question episodes. So again, let's have another one. On let's topic. do another one You're right now. To the wrong podcast. <laughs> let's just do another one. We will. We will. Um, yeah. So if you have uh, further questions for us, do let us know. Wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com. Send them through. Um, and yeah, Send us your you questions to ignore. <laughs> send us your questions to not talk about no, no we will we will do that with that all right everybody thank you see you next time bye bye everybody thank you and as we end this episode thank you to our special high tier patreon daniel henderson thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode please leave a review on apple podcasts each review helps grow our audience which makes it easier for us to get some big name authors to guest star on the show plus it also lets us know that you enjoyed the podcast 
which gives us a lot of motivation to continue. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.